0: we we'll come now to the reading of the Scriptures in preparation for the Word of the Lord. And I invite your attention to Genesis chapter 31. We will read the entire chapter. Genesis chapter 31, and may God bless the reading and the hearing of His Holy Word. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, And from what belonged to our father, he has made all his wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly. But the God of my father has been with me, and you know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me, changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped and speckled and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I'm the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. And Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then do whatever God has said to you. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives upon camels, and he drove away all the livestock and all his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock, which he had gathered in Paddan Aram uh, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban the Syrian by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he rose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the country of Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre, and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. And now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, lest you would take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maids. But he did not find them. Then he went in uh, to out of Leah's tent, and entered Rachel's tent, now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle, and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them, and, he, and she said to her father, "Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me." So he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, "What is my transgression?" What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found in all of, your, of all of your household goods? See it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by day, the heat uh, consumed me and the frost by night, and my sh- sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house, and I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, uh, uh, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands. And so he rendered judgment last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters. And the children are my children. And the flocks are my flocks. And all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne? So now come and let us make a covenant. You and I and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it Jagar Sahadatha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore it was named Galeed. And Mizpah, for he said, May the Lord watch between you you and me when we are absent from one another. If you mistreat my daughters or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap. Behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm. And you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judged between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed. And return to his place. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I invite you to bow with me in prayer. As we ask for God's blessing upon our time in the word. O Lord we bow before you and we worship you. We praise you for your great grace and kindness. Loving kindness to us. To deliver us from the kingdom of darkness. Into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of your beloved son our great Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for your gracious love, the blessings which you continually pour out upon us as your people, day unto day and night unto night, just as the stars are in their courses, so the blessings of God come to us as dear children of God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and your mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lord, we Thank you for giving us our daily provisions, uh, food and clothing and shelter. And We ask that you take of the offerings that were given this morning and may they be received and used, multiplied by your almighty hand for the kingdom's sake, that the gospel of Christ might go far and wide that we might also meet the needs of the saints here. But it's your money, Father, all that you give. We return only a portion and we're thankful. We ask you to remember those that may be sick, or our healing or recovering from medical procedures among us. Please heal them in your time and in your way to bring them back to good health. And more importantly, we thank you for their spiritual healing and health that comes in Christ. And may they cling to him fully and wholly during times of their absence. Bless our families, Lord. Bless our children and our grandchildren that they may be found walking in the faith, that we may rejoice in the goodness of God. Generation after generation, it is not by blood or the will of man, but by the will of God. But may we see our own children raised in households where the name of Christ is named to raise up their own children in their households and name the name of Christ there. Bless our time together here as a body of Christ. May we love and seek the good of one another. May we put others before ourselves as Christ put others before himself that we might give witness that we are the children of God. Now, Father, bless your holy word to us in this hour. Send it forth in power, working in us that which is pleasing in your sight, and guide us to do your will. We ask it in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers.
1: So our text this morning is a... uh... Biographical uh, sketch of the reality that uh, Jacob uh, is in physical danger um, and God's going to protect him uh, in this uh, uh, time of uh, physical danger and return him to the land. Uh, when we come to the, to the church, uh, of course, there is a measure of physical protection, but it really intensifies uh, in spiritual protection because that's a greater danger uh, namely the uh, the world and uh, the evil one uh seeks uh, to destroy our faith and uh, how can we be uh, be protected uh, our text i think sheds light on this um we learn here that protection comes from god's covenant with uh with us uh jacob uh, flees uh, secretly uh, but it's notable that god has blessed him uh, but he's also in line of the Abrahamic covenant. And what did God promise Abraham? Uh, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. At that point, uh, Jacob's physical safety is, is sealed. Uh, Laban really wants to curse him, but uh, God will not uh, prevent that uh, to occur because of the covenant. And I remind you of the majesty of the covenant. Uh, remember, it was a covenant between God and Abraham. Who are the signatories? Both of them are signatories. And what did God do to Abraham before he signed and ratified and effected the covenant? He put him to sleep so that the entire fulfillment of the majestic promise is on God. So God's, God protected Abraham. He's going to protect Jacob as well. Secondly, God commands Jacob to return to the land with the promise of what? The divine Presence. Now look at verse 3. Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. A covenantal promise. Jesus gives us a covenantal promise. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, It's also a parallel uh, in the Abrahamic covenant. God promises to be with Abraham. And so He is. Uh, It's also a command based upon uh, Jacob's vow made in chapter 28 in Bethel. Uh, So again, just reminding Jacob that he's going to be with him. You and I need that constant reminder. Uh, We get in trouble and yet God is always with us. There's never a moment if you know Christ is your Savior upon which he is not with you. Uh, And therefore he is ultimately our great sovereign protector uh, the promise of safe passage to the land uh, is expressed in, uh, explicitly in verse 7. Uh, Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. So Jacob at this point is coming full circle in his transformation to recognize uh, that God is his ultimate protector. And certainly Laban... I mean, Laban's really a bad guy. He was a deceiver. He was a cheat, teaching Jacob not to do those things, to be sure. Uh, He had much more power than Jacob did. Uh, His strength, the strength of his sons. Jacob is simply one man uh, against many. And yet, God is with him, and you and I know that uh, God plus one uh, is in the majority. It's interesting that the name of God used throughout this chapter is Elohim, which is most often associated with God the Creator. And therefore, God creates the circumstances all about us, and He creates safe passage for Jacob. He creates safe spiritual passage for those who are in Christ. Uh, One of my favorite psalms, as you know, is Psalm 121. Uh, It relies upon the doctrine of creation. Uh, that God made the heavens and the earth and therefore He is our keeper. He keeps us. That verb is used continually throughout that psalm. But I'm particularly attracted to verse 7. He will keep your soul from all evil. That applies to each of us. How can we make it through an evil world? We will and we do because God keeps our soul safe from harm. So Moses is telling us that in the drama of Jacob's life, God is uh, behind the creation of his every provision, protection, because God is creating a nation. Out of that nation will come the Messiah. Uh, Theology is fundamental to our lives. Uh, That God is the creator. Uh, So Jacob obeys, but I think he obeys in a very questionable way. Uh, I love this because I think of my own disobedience, my own failings, so it's very, very comforting for all of us to know that we are manifestly uh, fallen and imperfect, and yet God is still our keeper. That promise is never rescinded, and neither is it ever totally dependent upon our obedience. Were that so, none of us would ever make it. Jacob will, uh, because God is the keeper of His covenantal sons. And again, I would remind you that the fear of man uh, should never be a governing reality in your life. It's going to always be present. Just don't take counsel of it. It's a wise counsel, by the way, of Stonewall Jackson, uh, a great uh, military uh, general. Uh, I would contend that he should have gone to Laban because he knew God was creator. He knew God was with them. He knew God had promised to take him back to the land. He should have just gone to Laban and been totally up front. Look, I'm leaving. I've served you honorably. I've been a good employee for 20 years. Now I'm, I'm leaving. Nonetheless, he steals away secretly uh, at night. Sometimes we do similar things, particularly in our witness. But again, uh, God should teach us courage. Um. Uh, again, I think the departure was, uh, uh, unnecessary. Uh, so in that sense, uh, Jacob, verse 20, uh, deceived Laban. The Hebrew Bible literally stole his heart. Uh, I think uh, Moses is not, not so prone to use deception because Jacob, again, is being transformed. Uh, but he's, uh, he's a bit dishonest. Uh, by not telling him that he was fleeing. Uh, Thirdly, there's uh, uh, another remarkable blessing here. You recall a number of Sundays ago, we we watched poor Jacob as his uh, wives uh, were continually bickering and fighting with one another to gain the favor of their husband. Uh, And there were, of course, the uh, secondary wives of the concubines um, so four women fighting over this one guy. He's having to work day and night uh, for his wages, being cheated uh, again and again. And yet now look what happens in this text. Uh, his wives are now unified with him according to the will of God. Uh, by the way, for all of the uh, married couples, uh, one of the great ways to have unity in your marriage, obey God. God does majestic things in our hearts when things like that occur. Uh, They know now that their father has cheated not only only their husband, uh, but also them, verse 15. So they know their father has uh, cheated them and stolen from them. And their hostility now unites them not only to their husband, but to the command of God. What a blessed thing that is. To see hearts changed. Bickering uh, women now united in hearts to obey the commandments of God. How is that, by the way? Because God is the creator. He creates and He changes hearts. So uh, they command uh, their husband to do everything, verse 16, that Elohim, the creator, said to do. Again, uh, it's interesting from the standpoint of literary irony that God uses Laban's evil intent to harm Jacob, to exploit Jacob, to cheat Jacob for financial gain for his ultimate good. Uh, The blessings of God as a creator also seen uh, covenantal uh, protection, if you will, in the incredibly foolish act by Rachel. What does Rachel do? Well, she steals her father's teraphim. Uh, Teraphim were uh, household... uh, Idols generally in the shape of a man. Uh, it's really unclear what her motive was. Uh, I'm going to append one to her. But whether I'm right or not, who knows. Uh, the teraphim were sometimes used as titles to inheritance. Uh, they were sometimes used as clan leadership uh, or the source of spiritual power. Uh, and for that reason alone, she should have left them alone. Uh, because she could have been charged, of course, with idolatry. Uh, but for me, the, uh, the theft is nothing more than her own selfishness. Uh, think of it this way. Her father had cheated her. So she's going to cheat her father. Uh, Moses is going to clarify all of this in the first commandment. I shall have no other gods before me. Um, uh, Paul is going to teach us not to return evil for evil. Return good for evil. God sorts all those things out. Great majesty of our lives, whether economic or social or political, is God is the creator. He fixes things. He's fixed Jacob's heart and the heart of his wives. Uh, regardless, it's, uh, worth remembering that we, uh, um, uh, we should not be foolish like Rachel. Uh, we shouldn't steal. Uh, we shouldn't keep rabbits' uh, uh, feet in our pockets. Good luck charms. Um, we shouldn't appeal to the saints uh, like Roman Catholic Church does for safety. Uh, we don't need the saints to protect to protect us. We have the eternal creator. Uh, All of these, in my own mind, are forms of idolatry. Uh, One of my favorite is something of a hero in my life. Uh, Pete Maravich was uh, an incredibly gifted basketball player, one of the great ball handlers and shooters of all time. Uh, But uh, he had a strange, uh, superstitious activity that he engaged in that lots of athletes do uh, in all the sports. Uh, And that is that he never washed his socks. Now, how you do that as a basketball player after hundreds of games, I don't have a clue. Uh, But I'm just simply telling you, dirty socks don't make you a better shooter. Dirty socks don't make you a better person. It's very interesting to me that Maravich comes to faith in Christ. I hope he washed his socks. (laughs) Nonetheless, we attribute our life and times and fortunes to all of the circumstances of our great God, who is our Creator, physically and spiritually. Uh, But again, it's good to learn from Rachel. She was foolish. More importantly, uh, God's going to protect her in her folly. It's a marvelous story of the grace of God. In, in her remarkable act of foolishness, he still protects her, doesn't he? Uh, implicit within the text is that Laban's uh, gods offered him no security or protection. They could not stand up against our creator Elohim. It's very interesting in the text. Uh, Laban uh, calls his gods Elohim. And he uses the plural of the noun. We use the plural too, but in the Hebrew Bible, uh, the plural can also be used, as you know, of the plural of majesty. Our God's, uh, name, Elohim, is in the plural because he's the majestic God, but he's the only God, and the teraphim of Laban, uh, mean nothing to him, but other than, other than contempt. and it is, isn't it interesting, ironically, that that contempt is shown in what Dr. Rachel does to the teraphim? Uh, protection, covenantal protection, whether it be to Abraham or to Laban, pardon me, Jacob or Isaac, uh, was promised. It's also promised to us. Uh, and it's given to us in divine intervention because our God as Creator can manifest His presence at any time that He wills to manifest it. He is transcendent, but He's also imminent. So Laban pursues Him, but is warned by God not to harm Jacob uh, in a dream. Again, God warning Laban not to harm Jacob. Uh, The word pursue... uh, Uh, In many contexts, certainly in the New Testament, uh, is the word uh, used um, for affecting spiritual harm and persecution. Uh, Laban wants uh, revenge and restitution, but God intervenes. The intervention is a powerful reminder for all of us uh, that we live in an open universe. God is our God. He's able to intervene in our lives. Look at verse uh, 24 as he intervenes. God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. Uh, We've seen these parallels before in Genesis, have we not? Uh, Abraham goes down to Egypt and passes off his wife as his sister. Uh, Half-truth, but a lie nonetheless. Uh, what does God do? Uh, she is taken into Pharaoh's harem in preparation for joining it. Uh, God comes to Pharaoh and warns him not to touch her. Uh, same thing happens to Isaac. He goes to Abimelech and says, well, uh, man, your wife is beautiful. Uh, well, she's my sister, not my wife. Man, what foolish. What do they engage in those half-truths for? Because they're afraid of man. God appears to Abimelech in a dream and says, you touch her, you're a dead man. Because God is able to intervene at any point in our lives when He wills to do so. We should all be profoundly thankful that God's protection includes our foolishness. The covenantal sons, uh, the great covenantal Uh, Sons of promise in the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did stupid, but God still protected them. You know why? Because God is their God. And He protects His sons. Regardless. uh, Doesn't mean we should use foolishness. We should be careful. We should be wise. But again, we all lapse into such nonsense on occasion. Uh, Since we have a greater revelation in the completed canon in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, we should all guard our hearts from presumption. Uh, So again, in this case, uh, God warns uh, Laban in a dream uh, not to harm uh, Jacob. Uh, Reminder for us that providence is our ultimate protector. Uh, Flavel, who was an English Puritan pastor, wrote of God's care for us quoting him providence carries our lives our liberties and concern in its hand at every moment your bread is in its cupboard your money in its purse your safety in its unfolding arms And so it is we should know better because that is our theology remind you of one of the great promises of protection in all of the old testament daniel chapter 12 in verse 1 Everyone whose name is written in the book will be, will be rescued. God loses none whom He predestines from eternity past. It's the basis of our very salvation and also our security. When, uh, when Laban finally overtakes Jacob, there's a classic confrontation. Uh, he contends with Laban. Uh, Uh, The word in the Hebrew Bible is that of a lawsuit. Uh, So there's a legal dispute over property and ownership. Uh, Jacob defends himself uh, and the injustice uh, done to him. remind you that Jesus is our advocate who has never lost a case uh, before God the Father and never will. Uh, There's also a very beautiful irony here that I mentioned earlier. While Laban was the deceiver, his deceiver... His daughter deceives him by stealing his gods. And what does she do with them? She's sitting on them. And profaning them as an extreme insult. I'm not so sure she knows that theology at the time. But it's a remarkable lesson to all of us of the contempt that the Bible has for idols. And certainly here in her actions... And because of her condition in her life is showering, if you will, extreme contempt on these false gods. Be very careful, ladies, about what you give your heart to. Give your heart to God. He'll take care of you. There's also an irony that Laban cheated Jacob, but what? God reversed it all. Uh, again, so Providence does. You and I will go throughout your life. We we work sometimes for unjust people. We have to be around sometimes evil men. But our providence is in the hand of God and he is able to turn by his sovereign power every event for our good. So the theology of Romans chapter 8. Uh, more importantly in the trial, Jacob establishes his innocence as a good employee for 20 years and that it was God who had enriched him. If we will look at uh, look at verse 42. If the God of my father and the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and so he rendered judgment last night. And Jacob, again, is enriched and Laban impoverished because that's the way exactly God works. The theology of ironies Throughout the Psalter, The evil man digs a pit to uh, ensnare the righteous man. He ends up falling into the pit and the righteous man escapes. Uh, That's a theology that governs your lives, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, You you are around (laughs) evil people all of your life that really want to destroy you. But God is your protector as He was the protector of Jacob and his family. Well... Laban is rendered defenseless, so they initiate a covenant. Vows are exchanged as a a reminder of those vows. A memorial is built as a witness to their covenant. Uh, They depart in peace uh, because of divine protection. That God was really the cause of the peace between the two men. Uh, Jacob really knew that all along. How do you know that? Well Genesis chapter 28 verse 12, he has a dream. there's a ladder going up to heaven and angels are coming going up and coming down. It's a dream that God is going to dispatch angels to protect him. So Laban really could never have gotten at him because of angelic protection. By the way, in Daniel chapter 12 verse one, the archangel Michael is our ultimate protector as an agent under Jesus Christ. That's what God does with uh, his sons. He gives them protectors in angelic forces. Um, We're not necessarily aware of them, but uh, we are never alone. God is always with uh, his sons and his agents uh, to Protect them. Remember, a number of years ago, there was a quite famous song uh, that was written, The Year of the Child, called The Prayer. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, quite popular at weddings and whatnot. And, uh, uh, one of the lines is uh, uh, Lead us to a place where we will be safe. Uh, and there's an acknowledgment that uh, God leads us. Uh, but it is something of a pagan song. Beautiful as it is, it's quite pagan. Uh, because in this world, ladies and gentlemen, there's no place of safety. There's a person of safety by the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you are outside of him, you have no spiritual safety whatsoever. Uh, the world and uh, the evil one will eventually destroy you and destroy your soul. Uh, Now, you may be enriched all your life, but that means nothing for God. Uh, And by the way, no one ever departs into eternity with a Brinks armored car following the funeral line. God is your only protector in Christ. Christ. In Christ. Of course, the author of the song would have never acknowledged that uh, because pagans are never going to acknowledge the safety that only Christ can give. Uh, for us, as the sons of God, we have a greater covenant than Abraham called the New Covenant. Uh, and in our flight to heaven, uh, God grants us safe passage because He is our protector. Uh, He cleanses us. He gives us new hearts. He gives us the spirit. And so we have the same promises that were given uh, to the great patriarchs. Uh, But our promise is much more intense because Christ affected the new covenant. Uh, The new covenants are found in the Old Testament. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, uh, certainly Isaiah. Christ affects them all. And so ultimately, he, he is the great God uh, who is uh, our protector as well. Uh, psalm 23 is a reminder. I, I, you know The psalm all of you know. Uh, the, Lord is, the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, David says, uh, he, uh, our shepherd has a rod and a staff and they comfort me. In other words, the shepherd is armed. Our shepherd who is Christ is dangerous to anyone who would seek to harm his little ones. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. By the way, I I trust in the grace of God because you know your Savior that you can say the Lord is my shepherd. He's not a shepherd. He's my shepherd. You know Him. He's the shepherd of this church. Our spiritual uh, protector. The psalmist goes on, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That promise is fulfilled because His goodness and mercy will follow us. So He receives us to live in His presence Forever. Uh, There's a great picture, by the way, of spiritual danger. If you want to uh, turn to a passage I know you all are familiar with, Revelation chapter 12. Um, It's uh, based upon uh, the theology of the flight of the children of Israel from Pharaoh. Um, Children of Israel uh, had no ability to fight Pharaoh and his armies. Uh. So who's going to fight for them? Well, God's going to fight for them, of course. Uh, Theology comes into the New Testament in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, If you look at verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, uh, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, uh, namely the Son of God, our Savior. So he goes off to protect, to destroy uh, the woman. Just like, Uh, all of the chariots of Egypt uh, running the children of Israel to the Red Sea to drown them. And what happens? God intervenes. He makes safe passage. Look what happens here, verse 14. And the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, nor that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time, times and half a time in the presence of the serpent. In other words, He provides a way of escape. That theology comes, by the way, from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 11 and 12. That God provided safe passage for Israel, now He's providing safe passage ultimately to the church. Uh, The dragon tries to drown the church in deception. Uh, God causes the earth to swallow it up. Uh, How can that happen for us? Because of Christ, the deceiver cannot get at us. He desperately wants to, but He is totally unable. Why? Because we're smart and strong? No, because our God, our God is God. And He protects all of His sons. Oh. Great picture, beautiful picture in Revelation 7.3. God is pouring out judgments upon the earth like He is today. Being fulfilled today. Notice verse 3. Uh, before the angels that can come and affect the judgment. Uh, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. In other words, we are sealed. You and I know from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit to promise so that spiritual evil cannot, though it desperately wants to, cannot get at us and unravel our faith. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, One of my, as you know, uh, favorite um, psalms, uh, Psalm 73. uh, If you look at Psalm 73, verse 23, uh, God says to the psalmist, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Old Testament promise, New Testament promise fulfilled in Christ. I'm continually with thee, and thou hast taken hold of my right hand. God does the same for each of His sons and daughters. Uh, Great application in verse 28, but as for me, the nearness of my God is my good. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all works. Ultimately, God is our refuge. He is our mighty fortress. Uh, the kingdom of evil cannot get at us. Uh, it's a beautiful reminder of this um, in John's first epistle. Uh, if you would like to turn there uh, of uh, God is our great spiritual uh, protector. Uh, turn with me if you would to first uh, John chapter five. Um, the theology of uh, the epistle is that of the Gospel of John. For example, John 1.13, that we've been born of God. Notice, born of God. Uh, John 3, uh, the Spirit applies redemption to our hearts by sovereign power so that we are born of God. In the new birth, God births us and gives us life. But He also gives us protection If you look at 1 John 5, verse 4, uh, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Uh, You and I are transiting a world of profound wickedness and evil. Uh, It is a spiritual gauntlet. Uh, John is saying uh, we overcome the world. Based on what? We've been born again. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Our ability to overcome the world is the product of our new birth. It's an incredible reminder that God gives us safe passage and it's all related to the new birth. Born again includes our spiritual safety so that we can overcome the world. Great promise. Verse 4, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world and the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. And how do we get faith? We get it based upon the new birth. We believe in God because we've been born again. We owe our faith to the new birth. It's an incredible reminder of God's power. And notice His sovereign power is Creator. We were dead, Ephesians 2, He makes us alive. How can God do that? Because He's the spiritual Creator and sovereignly creates. Where there's death, He creates life. But if you would, uh, skip down to verse 18. Uh, There's a textual problem here, but I'm going to simply race to the correction. Uh, But know that no one who is born of God sins uh, commits heresy or apostasy. But he who was born of God, to me that's a reference to Christ. He was begotten of God keeps him you see the theological point the son is our protector he keeps us he is our keeper the theology of psalm 121 he keeps our soul from evil the son is our ultimate keeper who's going to give us safe passage and notice what follows he keeps him and the evil one does not even touch him and verse four the world can't get at us The world corrupt system cannot overcome our faith. And now not even Satan can touch us because of our keeper. You are, by God's sovereign power and mercy, if you are in Jesus Christ, are protected by the power of God. Your safe passage to heaven is secure because of him who loves us, who is Christ, our keeper,